Well, hey, everybody, so good to see you this morning. So glad you could join us on Facebook Live here at Summit Church. I mean, we're coming to you live this morning. Uh, well, not necessarily live, but kind of live uh, outside uh, on this beautiful day. So you're, gonna, you're probably going to hear some birds chirping in the background, maybe a car, maybe even a dog or two. But we're just glad you're able to join us today. And we're just going to talk a little bit this morning. Hey, give you a couple of updates on what's going on at Summit. First of all, Congratulations. You were able, we were able together to send out 1,000 Christmas boxes for Operation Christmas Child. Man, give yourself a thanks for that, man. That was That's awesome. Imagine 1,000 children all around the world are going to be experiencing the love of Jesus through through your gift that you gave um, this past couple weeks. So thank you. Thank you for that very much. Also, a couple of little things to note. Um, maybe you're not aware of this, but we're going to be having a live night of worship and praise and thanks tonight at the Alabama Music Hall. And uh, 6 o'clock, we'd love for you to come uh, be a part of that if you can. We're just going to just really enter into this Thanksgiving week with a heart of thanksgiving, a heart of Heart of praise, and so we encourage you, if you can, to make it out. That'll be at 6 o'clock tonight. And lastly, just an update on the building, um, our new building. Things are continuing to roll along. Um, we are um, starting on the parking lot. We started on that this past week. We've already been working on the retention pond towards the back and making some ditches along the side. We're hooking up the air conditioning units this week coming up. We're putting footers in to replace the um, old metal beams of the new section that was destroyed by the hurricane. So that those new footers uh, should be poured this next week. And so things just come along. We are going to have to put in a new roof, we just discovered. So um, we're uh, just kind of working on that process. But we're looking at uh, moving right along. And before you know it, we'll be in the new church. And so we thank you for your giving. Thank you for your generosity towards our building campaign as far as some church is concerned. Well, hey, let's just jump into the Word this morning for a few minutes. We've been in a series called um, Good News for a World in Crisis. Let me ask you a question off the top. What, what is one of the first words you think you were ever taught? Or maybe if you were a parent and you have kids, what are some of the first words you ever taught your kids? You know, maybe it was mommy, daddy. You know, but on top of that, there's also please, right? And the most important one, Thank you, right? Thank you. How important is the word thank you? Rudyard Kipling, he's a uh, uh, an older, now uh, um, famous writer and poet. And uh, Rudyard Kipling uh, was uh, walking down the street one day and a reporter came up to him and said, Mr. Kipling, I have studied your work and I am a fan of yours and I and actually, I just wanted to talk for you just a second, just tell you, you know, I've done some calculations and I know a little bit about you. And I, I've realized that, that you actually make $100 for every word that you write. And Roger Kipling said, is that true? And he goes, well, according to my calculations, yes, sir. Roger, Roger Kipling says, well, <laughs> I had no idea. And so the reporter said, well, with that said, I just wanted to know if it'd be okay. Uh, I have $100 here in my pocket, and um, I want to give this to you because I want you to give me a $100 word. You know, what, what is that word that you could give me that's worth $100 that I can take away from me from, from this moment, meeting you? And uh, Roger Kipling looked at that $100 bill, and uh, he said, you're going to give that to me? He goes, yes, sir. Just for a word, he goes, uh, yes. So he took the hundred dollar, 
folded it up, put it in his pocket, and he said, thanks, and walked off. <laughs> how do you know that's an important word? It's probably more important than even $100. It's probably a million-dollar word, don't you think? The word thanks. The words thank you. How many times have you used the word thanks or thank you and, and it's blessed you, uh, and, but more importantly, it's blessed others. Sometimes I don't think that it's even those words are even good enough to express the gratitude that we have sometimes for someone or somebody or some people that have blessed our lives in such a powerful way. Well, listen, you know, before we get going into a little conversation about thanks, you know, we're, it goes without saying, the earth is quaking at, at this moment, that why we're doing a series uh, like we're doing, uh, good news for a world in crisis. The world is quaking. Um, you know, you, you don't have to look around, and we've talked about it before. You got, you got hurricanes right and left, and you got Honduras and Guatemala and Salvador down there just being punished by a series of hurricanes and wind and flooding. And then you got the pandemic and you got the economic thing. You got the riots and all the post-election um, clamor going on. And then COVID spiking up, you know, in different places and in India and Cuba especially. And, and so you just look and you go, what in the world? Everything's falling apart. Let me, let me give you a good verse. Here we go. You ready? Psalms chapter 75, verses 1 and 3. We thank you, O God. Get those words. We thank you, O God. We give thanks because you are near. People everywhere tell of your wonderful needs. And when the earth quakes and its people live in turmoil, I am the one who keeps its foundations firm, says the Lord. One translation says it like this. I, your God, keep everything from falling apart. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? I, your God, keep everything from falling apart. I think that's good news that we can use today, especially with all that's going on. We need to know that we have a God who keeps things from falling apart, that ultimately we can always trust him. But before we can trust him, we also have to be able to say thank you. And thanks is a way of saying, I trust you. We've been talking about fearing God and trusting God. And thanking Him is a way that we express our fear of Him and trust of Him as well. So, you know, today, let me give you another verse. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 20. Give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks for everything. The point is, the greater the darkness, the more intense our thanksgiving must be. Because thanksgiving is an action. It's a response of my total trust and reliability on God's omnipotence. Look at this, 1 Thessalonians, Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. So it's important to be thankful. You know, our nation is a nation that is really from its very foundation, been a very thankful nation. In fact, in the very beginning, 399 years ago, we experienced that. And the pilgrims came over uh, from, from, you know, the, the end, other end of the Atlantic. And uh, when they arrived, 103 of them arrived. Well, at least they set out in the ship. Only 55 survived. 
And that first winter was brutal on them and they, they did not have adequate housing and the cold was just so, so hard on them and their food supplies was running out. And if it hadn't been for the American Indians that kind of came to their side and aid and helped them, then they would have probably not made it. But they were able to learn how to plant crops and that following Thanksgiving, the next year, well, I tell you what, they had such a bountiful harvest that Governor William Bradford in 1621 said, we're going to give God thanks for his sparing our lives and being good and generous to us. Thanksgiving was the very first things that our nation ever experienced. And then it was just a few years later, eight years in fact, that the Puritans arrived in Charleston, Massachusetts, and they as well weren't quite, they arrived late and so they weren't able to plant and clear the fields and, and so they too were running short of supplies in February and the following year and they, they didn't know what they were going to do and so the governor at that time, John Winthrop, said, he said, listen, I want us to fast and seek God. We need to fast right now. And uh, so they began to fast and when they began fasting, guess what showed up in the harbor? Out of nowhere, a ship full of supplies and provisions. And so their day of fasting ended up being a day of thanksgiving. And then we see again in our nation's history, Abraham Lincoln in the Civil War. That man was such a godly man who really wanted our nation to look to God in its most hurting times, most fragile time. And so he called two days of prayer and, 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 and fasting, and then another day of prayer in 1864. But in all of his four years there in office in that Civil War time, guess what he did? He called six different days of Thanksgiving. Can you imagine that? The American president called American to come and let us fast, but more importantly, now let us give God thanks. And that's what they did. It was an incredible, incredible history that we have in our nation. We could go back into 1777 and the Continental Congress called for a day of Thanksgiving after they had defeated the British uh, regulars, had marched down from Canada. It just goes on and on in our history. Finally, Abraham Lincoln, in that last declaration, he said this. He said, this is a day of Thanksgiving and praise to Almighty God. Man, I'm thankful for that kind of heritage that we have. I just feel like it's important to remind us from time to time because a lot of people don't understand the beautiful history we have as a godly country. We are a Judeo-Christian country. Well, this morning, I want to give you real quickly three questions with three reasons for Thanksgiving in your life. I'm not talking about the day. I'm talking about the form and action of giving God thanks. Here's our text, chapter uh, 4, 1 Corinthians, verse 7. Paul's asking three different questions in this verse. Listen to the questions carefully. For who makes you different from anyone else? That's question one. What do you have that you didn't receive? Question number two. And if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you didn't? Question number three. Let's just talk about these th three things really quick. First of all, the context is he's writing to the church in Corinth. And Corinth was a very um, wealthy city, a very blessed city, if you would. 
It was a, a, a city that sat between the Ionian and Aegean seas on a little isthmus connecting it to Greece. It was the seat of the Roman proconsul. And so they had affluence there in Corinth at that time. And so he asked them these three questions. And each question, I believe, could be answered simply by, you know what? A life of thanksgiving, a life of humility, and an attitude of gratefulness. Let's talk about this first question. Who makes you different from anyone else? Who makes you different from anyone else? Did you know you were different from anyone else? I know you probably have thought that, but you are. And it's a good thing. I don't think we probably really understood that until maybe we got into maybe elementary school and those formative years. And it began to probably dawn on you that, you know what? I don't think I'm like everybody else. Uh, some people are different than me. And, and, and some of your friends or so-called friends made sure that you knew that you were different from them. And they would point out, you know, your flaws and they would your shortcomings. And they would let you know if you had a big nose or little ears or if you were too tall or too fat or too skinny, too short. And they would point out these differences and suddenly you begin to realize, you know, we are different in some areas of our lives. And so let me give you a few of them. Intellectual differences. I remember that. You were in school and they were teaching you colors. And you're like, man, I have a hard time just understanding what, remember what brown is and blue and red. And then you got Sally sitting next to you and she's like, she knows not just that stuff, but she knows turquoise and artus and indigo. And you're like, what? And then you realize, man, some people maybe have a little bit more intellectual capacity than I do. You're learning your alphabets. It's taken you three months to learn the alphabets, and, and Joe behind you learned it in two days. I mean, you got, what, what is going on? So we realize that there are intellectual differences. Obviously, there's physical differences, like I just mentioned to you. And, and, and some people are just you know, um, you know, we're just all made different. Well, I'm not going to expand on that. Then there's diligent differences. You, you know what? Um, have you ever met some people like you, you got to know this in school and some were like, they were given the assignment of a term paper, you know, for, you know, the first, first day of class, you're going to have a term paper. It's going to be due. And, you know, by the end of the second quarter or whatever of the school year. And, uh, by the end of that week, you know, three of your classmates already had their term paper done. And, and you and half your class, you're, you're waiting until the very, you know, last week of that semester to get over before you start even working on it. You staying up three or four o'clock at night and you got note cards everywhere. You're trying to figure out what in the world you're even doing. And, and what, what, what am I saying? I'm saying sometimes we have diligent differences that some people just put their, it's easier for them to put their head down and just go through it. And other people, it takes a hard time for them to focus and think about it. Then there's personality differences, aren't there? Some people are thinkers. Some people are doers. Some people are bubbly. They're talking all the time and they're all smiling. They're laughing everywhere they go. Some people are logical and analytical and thinking through everything. And we're, we're just all different. Paul asks us, who makes you different from everyone else? Obviously, the, the answer is God. God makes us different. God designed us just the way we are. He designed you just the way you are, perfect. 
You're perfect. You, you, he gave you the mental capacity, the, the physical capacities, the intellectual capacities, the, the drive, the talents, the personality, everything that you have. Guess what? It's all been given to you by God. The second question he asks is, well, what do you have that you did not receive? In other words, you didn't have it, but uh, it was given to you. And the answer to that is nothing. I don't have anything that hasn't just been given to me. There's nothing I possess that is not a direct result as a gift from God. My health, my personality, my wealth, my achievements, all of these things that encompass my life have been given to me by God. That's why James 1 verse 17 says this, every good and perfect gift, come on, is from above coming down from the Father of heavenly lights who does not change like shifting shadows. Can I just read that one more time, just the beginning? Every, not every other, every good gift comes down from our Father above. Now, Satan will subtly try to convince us that what we have and what we enjoy somehow is a result of our own abilities, something that we have done ourselves, that because of our, um, our capacity to think through things, because of our ability to work hard, because of our ability to think through things, because of our personality, because of our ingenuity, because of our ability to read people or things like that, that we have somehow achieved this level of success that we're enjoying or going through. Can I just remind you of a fella by the name of Nebuchadnezzar? Yeah, it's in our Bible. It's in the book of the book of uh, Daniel, chapter four, and Nebuchadnezzar had good reason to boast. And he, if there was anybody in this world who had a reason to think, you know what? I think I've done a pretty good job for myself. It was this guy, Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar was a king, king of Babylon, and this man was one of the most intellectual builders in the world. At that, in fact. Of all the ancient uh, times, he probably was one of the leaders of the uh, architectural engineering. One of the seven wonders of the world was crafted by him as he was the uh, author, uh, architect of the Hanging Gardens. And, and, and he was just a, a genius. They, they've done some historical archaeological finds. And in there in that Babylon capital area, they found 49 different building edifices with his inscription that he built this thing himself. Well, anyway, he's walking around in his palace one day, Scripture tells us, and he looks around. And uh, let me just read it. And, and he, he's walking around his royal palace, looks across the city, and he says, Look at this great city of Babylon. By my own mighty power, I have built this beautiful city as my royal residence to display my majestic splendor. Can you just hear the haughtiness of that? Can you just hear the airplane flying above us? <laughs> can, can you hear the uh, arrogance of this 
this mindset that comes that we've seen it from a lot of people. Man, I have done something. I have earned this. I have come. I've grabbed myself up and I've dug myself up and dug this business up and I've dug it and oh me, I'm great. I'm done. All these wonderful things. This is this is this is Nebuchadnezzar right here. And he says these words on top of his palace. He declares these words and guess what? Here here you go. Look at this. While these words were still in his mouth, while the words were still in his mouth, I mean, he, he was still gloating in his, you know, glory. A voice called down from heaven. Oh, King Nebuchadnezzar, this message is for you. You are no longer ruler of this kingdom. You will be driven from human society. You're going to live in the fields with the wild animals. You're going to eat grass like a cow for seven years while you live this way until you learn that the Most High rules over the kingdoms of the world and gives them to anyone he chooses. And that same hour <clears throat> that judgment was fulfilled, that very same hour, exactly what God said happened to him. He literally lost his mind. In one hour, he became a madman, driven from the palace and living in the fields, eating grass like a cow. And that happened for seven years until his mind, God just flipped a switch and his mental capacity came back and he came back to realization, came back into power as a king. And now listen to these words. This is what he says after all that took place. He says this, all the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. Do you hear that? Isn't that powerful? Nebuchadnezzar began to realize that Everything he had was nothing to do with him, but really was a gift from God. John the Baptist said it like this, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. So that's our answer and response to question number two. And lastly, question number three, if you did, not re if you did receive it, why do you boast as if you did, you did not? The fact is you can't deny you have been blessed by God. Everything you enjoy has been a gift from the Lord. Imagine if I gave you, if someone came to you and they gave you three brand new cars. <laughs> well, hey, I got three brand new cars. But you can't boast that you had anything to do with it. They were given to you. These good gifts were given to you. And so this morning, I say this to all of us. Everything, everyone who has seen a little success, everyone who has accomplished a few things, it all has come from God. We finish with this last lesson from the 10 lepers. They had leprosy, Jesus is walking through. And they cry out to Jesus, come, Lord Jesus, help us, heal us, we need a healing. And the Bible says that he spoke to them, says go and show yourself to the priest, you're healed. And they went off and as they to show themselves to the priest, because the priest was the only one that could allow them back into the community. And as they're leave, going to the tr priest, as they're running to the priest, they look down and their flesh now is, 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 has become like, it's, their leprosy is gone, it's, it's gone. And they're so shocked, they're so surprised. And they keep going, but one of them, one of the lepers said, I can't go any further. I gotta go back. I gotta go back and talk to the man that just touched my body miraculously. And he goes back to Jesus. He falls at his feet. He's like, thank you, thank you for touching me and ridding me of this ugly, god-awful disease. And Jesus asks him the question, was not there 10 of you? In other words, what? 
Is this not something worthy of thanks from all ten? And just you are the only one that came? And then he says, Jesus says to him, Go, for you are now made whole. He wasn't just healed, but he was made whole. His thankfulness literally ushered him into wholeness. Some people believe that the leprosy stopped from the other nine. In other words, they still had the nubs. They still had, you know, perhaps the, the loss of a nose or an ear. But when Jesus said to this man, you've been made whole because of your thankfulness, that literally maybe his hand grew out or an ear grew back into its, its spot, that he literally became as if he had never had a disease at all. There were no signs that he ever had. That's the power of thankfulness. And today, as we close, can I just remind you that everything we have, is a gift from God, and that we have every reason to give God thanks. And so I don't want us to miss this opportunity as we go into Thanksgiving holidays. Many times we enjoy the holidays and we do everything but give God thanks, right? Let's don't be that people. Let us take some time during this week and let us set aside and take a long walk and just give God some thanks, give Him praise. When you look at you, when you're with your family, your friends, sit down and tell them, guys, I, I just want to tell you how much I appreciate you, but even more than that, I want to tell you how much I, I love God. Can we just give God some thanks? Can we give God some praise? Why go through Thanksgiving holiday and never even got, give God thanks? Let's be a people that give God thanks. In fact, can we just do that right now? Would you mind praying with me? Father God, we thank you today that you have given us everything that we have, that we have, exp we have nothing, Lord God, has it not been for you. And today, Lord God, we remind ourselves of your goodness. When the world is in crisis, we know what we can do. That is, we can give you thanks. When the world is falling apart, we can give you thanks because you are the one that keeps it from falling apart. We thank you for what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in our families, what you're doing in our bodies, we give you the thanks that you deserve. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Hey, listen, if you've never invited Jesus into your heart, we welcome you into that experience. Please contact us at summitchurch.tv. We'd love to have a conversation with you. Everybody else, God bless you. Hope to see you tonight at our wonderful night of worship at 6 o'clock at the Alabama Music Hall. God bless. Have a great day.